And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Welcome back to Red Side of the Trent, where we discuss Forest 2-0 defeat to Manchester City. Joining today are the usual suspects in Christian Brown, Lee Clark and Reese Lane. We're going to get right into it, guys. Obviously, before we do steps on it, thoughts, player performances and discussions about the Brentford game. Reese, we're going to start with you as our man uh, down at the Etihad, or up at the Etihad, should I say. Uh, discussions about team selections were very heavy on everyone's minds after Monday night. Were you at all surprised by the amount of changes and, and the personnel uh, included and not included? Um, a little bit of the number of changes, yeah. Um, I did say on the last pod in time, probably would have brought Ryan Yates back into the into the fold. But um, I, I get what he was trying to do. You know, playing with a back five allows you that a bit more solidity because you're playing with three centre-backs and it also allows you with, two wing-backs to try and spring on the counter-attack, which is, you know, <laughs> didn't really work in the first 20-odd minutes, did it? But um, again, with the influx of new players, he's going to be trying different things. And as again, as I said on the last part, it's going to take time. Um, it just, unfortunately, backfired on us a little bit because of the opening of the game, which we'll come into. Who was you surprised that got a start in there? More, uh, as well out of them five. So in came Bali, Nierkate, Ore, Dominguez and Tavares in for Warrell, McKenna, Montiel, Langer and Callum hudson Adoy. I think you'd have to be surprised in the fact that Sergio Ore is a right-back and he's starting at right centre-back ahead of Joe Warrell, really, who's a club captain. I think that would be a surprise, whatever thoughts of Joe Warrell people have got. The rest, not too surprised, I'd say. Um, I guess you could maybe say a little bit that Dominguez was in there um, because it was his full debut against the best team in the world at the minute. Um, but 
yeah, not 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 too much in terms of. Um, oh, I've lost I've lost my words now. <laughs> not, not not too too much in terms of who come into the side. Just more more like. Um, well, yeah. I have completely lost my word. Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll yeah, move on. We'll right. move on, mate. Christian, not the best start for Forrest as Phil Foden smashed in home. Kyle Walker's knocked down. Talk us through what happened. Do you think it could have been prevented or do you think it's kind of a routine city move where not a lot of people could do anything about it? It was sort of day. I think we were last year, weren't it, really? Where City have scored the first six minutes or whatever it is. Um, but no, it's, I actually feel a little bad, bit bad for Tavares because he just switches off for a split second. That's all it takes. And um, the bone, uh, is it Rodri to put the ball over? I think. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant, like, arced, lofted through ball over, but he just literally for one split second just sort of like loses where Walker is. And the next time he turns his head, he's in behind them and putting the ball across goal for Foden. Um, I mean, that's ultimately why they are the best team in the world city because they can just punish you so ruthlessly out of seemingly nothing like the tiniest mistake is just exploited to the extreme and um yeah uh so i mean you could sort of maybe make a claim that someone should have been maybe tracking foden one percent of backs perhaps but yeah i mean as soon as that ball sort of cut back it's sort of like all right okay yeah here we go again but um yeah so if you want to look at it from a sort of you know what could we have done better viewpoint? Obviously, Tavares just might just be like super alert the whole time on Walker and one of the three centre backs, you assume on that side would be near Carter or Bolly, really, to just be monitoring where Foden is and just sort of like move into that space. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, Lee, it was, I mean, I was cursing you in our group chat because you said they'd probably score inside 10 minutes. And I was like, nah, nah, we're, we're much better than that. It was 2 0 within 10, 10 or 11 minutes, I think, wasn't it? 2 um, 0. You can't give Erling Haaland space like that, can you? No, I mean, I didn't think it would be 2 nil. I thought I'd just fancy them to score early. They're just so dominant, aren't they, early, early stages. We've seen them do that to much better teams than us. So it wasn't, I mean, some people probably come at me saying, oh, you're being pessimistic again, but that's just City for you. They're a joy to watch in full flight, aren't they? So, um, yeah, I mean, there's no one near him, is there? The biggest, most lethal centre-forward in the world. And he's got all the kind of time in the world just to place his header into the corner of the net but take nothing away from it it was again another good move and it's just what Arlen does I mean apparently he's in a bit of a crisis isn't he Arlen he's got eight already it's 24th of September so some crisis for a centre forward but uh, yeah it's, it's again it, it's one of them things I, I know we're doing a podcast where we're going to analyse everything but I just don't think there's too much need to analyse Players aren't shit because they've left Erling, Erling Ireland unmarked in the box. They don't become awful because they've switched off and let Kyle Walker come, you know, steaming round the back. It's one game against City. Um, let's park it and move on and, and see how we, we progress with, with some of these players in future weeks. Yeah, definitely. What I will say, though, sorry, sorry to interject. What I will say is what alarmed me the most about that goal was that Aurier sort of looks at him and realises he won't beat him in the air. So it sort of moves to where Bolly is, but Bolly doesn't read that at all and just stays where he is. So you have both of them marking the same space and not one of them goes out to Harland. That's the only thing that annoyed me about that because what Lee says is right. Ultimately, they are the best team in the world. And you know, we'll look at this and be like, okay, yeah, we lost to City, so what? But things like that are a bit... If you're going to play Aurier as a centre-back, then he's going to have to be expected to contest with aerial threats. 
And if he's leaving it, something leaving his man, sorry, for someone to pick up on that, then they need to be communicating better because that was really poor from both of those two for that goal. Yeah, I think this is where you miss out Joe Worrell's at least his height and his desire to try and challenge because it at least challenged it might have still not won the ball but at least you go well at least he was there to try and try and head the ball away but uh, the last 15 20 minutes Reese when Forrest actually started to get a bit of a foothold in the game and actually cause City to make make some errors in the game it just, was you encouraged by this at the time or uh, or a little disappointed with our decision making because I thought our passing in the first half in particular really let us down in some really key opportunities to be fair I'm not going to lie, I, did, I thought they took the foot off the gas a bit. I thought they'd kind of done what they needed to do. They got that two-goal lead and thought, well, right, we've got them at arm's length. If they do score, then we'll probably step it up again. A bit like how it was in midweek with Bayern and Man United. I'm not sure if any of you guys watched that game. You know, Man U got back in the game and then Bayern was like, well, we'll kind of step up a gear again and we'll restore that two-goal lead. But, but yeah, we got into some great areas again. It's just, this is what I put on my personal Twitter. We just, that final product, just wasn't really happening. I mean, there was a couple of times Tyro got away one time, to be fair, he did get fouled on the edge of the box. But then there was another time, I think, right at the end of the first half where he had a run to goal and he, and he chopped back in towards where their centre-backs was when he should have just got his head down and gone because he's got the pace. And, it, like, and then, like I said, he, he just chopped back and he, and he just got back into trouble. And, yeah, it just, you know, the build-up play's not too bad. Um at times, it can be a little bit quicker. It can be a little bit braver, um, which was a bit frustrating at times yesterday that we didn't do that. But, yeah, it's just that final product's just lacking for us a bit at the minute. Mm, definitely. Christian, second half. This is where it all kicks off, I guess. Um, within the first minute, um, the, the aggression is obviously shown from, from Forrest to get towards Man City in terms of actually getting in their face. And, Morgan gives White kind of puts Rodri in the corner and, and is trying to scrap for the ball and obviously rattles him a little bit and results in Rodri trying to choke slam him. Uh, well, I know. I mean, I, I, I'm exaggerating, obviously. Gibbs White makes an absolute meal of it. Um, the delay of reaction is comical, but right decision. I mean, we'll get Lee on this as well in, in, in a moment, but I just want your initial thoughts of the incident. Why is he raising his hands to his neck? Like, I, I, that, that, that's that's the key question you have to ask. Like, why has he done that? I don't. I just found it so odd. Like the whole the whole passage of play was so odd. Like, obviously you can see Gibbs White being aggressive and trying to jostle with Rodri, but he's a defensive midfielder. Like, this is what he does. His game is for a living. He's jostling with other players when he has to, and like throwing his weight around to stop play and break play up. Like, I don't know why he just flips like that. It was so bizarre, and. Obviously, as soon as he raises his hands like that, it doesn't matter if Gibbs. I, mean, I don't even if Gibbs White had stayed on his feet, I still think the red card would have come out. To be honest, like you can't do that. It was like Casemiro last season with Will Hughes. Like as soon as you raise your hands up to someone's neck, that's it. It's a straight red card. Um, both, both round them. I don't. I don't. I don't know what's gone through his head. Like this is this is why football is so such a watchable sport because even when it's at its most predictable, Man City being Forest at home, for example. I mean, we were sixteen to one to win before the game, so and that's probably generous odds too. But yet, yeah, one moment of complete lunacy could have changed the whole thing, and that's why we watch it so often because we don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, we have a rough idea what might. But you can't account for the best defensive midfielder in the world doing something as utterly ridiculous as that. I mean, I, I, again, like you know, I mean, I saw it was quite funny seeing all the City fans sort of kick off despite the fact they won the game. 
And it was mm. like, I don't remember them being so volatile last year when he put six past us, but as soon as he put a bit of fight back in it and suddenly it's a problem. But um, no, I, I was I was alarmed at how stupid Rajvi was for that. I mean, there's, there's if that's a Forest player, we're all, all four of us from this pod now, like saying fucking two week fine. We're saying like training reserved for a week. We're saying like, you know, absolutely hammering them. But you know, you can't legislate for someone just um, losing losing their rag like that. Especially as professional as someone as Rodri. Yeah, He's exactly. not that type yeah. of player. That was his first sending off in his career, I believe, yesterday. I've never... I know Christian, like you said, he's a defensive midfielder, but I've never seen him do it like that before. No. <laughs> so, yeah, it was an odd one. What was your thoughts, Lee? Because obviously, coming from a referee's point of view, I mean, even if you look at Gibbs-White, <laughs> it's like the biggest delay of going down, but I guess like sometimes you have to try and oversell it, I guess. I mean, no one needs to talk about it from a refereeing point of view. I mean, if if you genuinely think that's not a red card and you're using it as a stick to beat the standard of refereeing with, then frankly, you haven't got a clue what you're talking about in general. Um, I mean, I, I saw tweets along the lines of, oh, the game's gone. He's only brushed his neck. Oh, that's it then. If it's in law that you can't raise your hands above neck height, above shoulder height, just sack the laws off. It's Rodri. It's City at home. Just let him off. I mean, Gibbs White didn't need to be so theatrical. I'll give him that. But why are we even talking about that? The moment he the moment he grabs him with both his hands around his neck, it becomes a red card. So I just despair sometimes. It's like every single decision, someone finds it as a stick. Oh, they're corrupt. I mean, the icing on the cake for me was a City fan, who I know quite well, to be fair, asking for a UEFA ref. This is City who boo the UEFA Champions League yeah. anthem. I mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, just, come on. Just a quick question to you, Lee. If he didn't chuck himself on the floor and he actually stood up, would he have still got sent off, Rodri? Um, I don't think he would have been on the field, if I'm being honest. Um, but that, to me, is a clear and obvious error. It it becomes a clear and obvious error. because See, that, That's my explanation of why they do chuck themselves on the floor. You know, I remember Harry Kane doing it famously last year against Everton. And this mm. is an England captain who isn't like that at all. And he did it. And yeah, I, I always... Think- I think Sorry. it's I think it's the thing to do, isn't it? Like you say, they probably forget in the heat of the moment that someone's going to be scrutinising it and watching it back. Mm-hmm. I think if if he just stays on his feet there and kind of says to the ref, "Look, that needs checking," because he can't do that. Um, I I think that's a clear and obvious error because, well, like like I said, clearly you can't, you just can't do that. Um, the, the one I always think of is when we was in the championship um, under Martin O'Neill when we played West Brom away and Lolly got absolutely pulled in the box. I think it was by Kieran Gibbs and he didn't go down and the ref was like, it was a penalty and the ref was like, well, I can't give it if I don't go down, if you don't go down. And that's that's why they do it. But it just it just makes it ridiculous because they go down like theatrical as they do. <laughs> yeah, you're right, to be fair. I think um, th- there is an element of that, certainly. But, um, I mean, that was the most obvious red card that I think I've, I probably have it. If that happens on my game and I don't give it at my level, Christ, I don't get out of the car park. Um, <laughs> it's just an easy one. It's just, at any level of football, it's just an easy, easy red card. Just, just going back to it all, though, it kind of gives a small chink in the armour of City because a lot of people are like, well, how do you get at them? And no one's really tried the whole, let's just really rattle them and get in their faces. And I mean, it really caused like a bit of a domino effect because like Edison had to go out of one year for a ball that he was more than. Like, like it should he should go for that ball, and he got nowhere near Edison. I'm not sure if it was because he thought, oh, he was trying to dive and looking for a penalty or what. 
But that, that, scars that of um, Sadio Mane, that I think from Anderson. <laughs> Remember when Mane nearly took, decapitated him? I, I, <laughs> I, I, again, I don't know why he lost his head at that. Even that was it was very very strange to see City behaving that way. Um, you know, no tune up. The game was basically done, and yeah. you know they've just completely lost their heads. Definitely. Um, but whilst I've got you as well, Lee. Um, Cooper made some positive changes, bringing on uh, Elanga and Callum hudson Adoy for Serge Aurier and Ibrahim Sangare. But I, if we couldn't really find a way through, if I'm honest, that City really banked in. I mean, who would have thought City play a low block against Forest? I know they got 10 men, but it really showed like the influence that Rodri clearly has on that midfield because even then they didn't really string that many passes together, if I remember right. Yeah, no, you're right. I think... Um... It was a. I know it was against. I know we had a man more than City, but it was still quite a pleasing um, to see us just have a bit of a go. I think. I mean, even Merson on Soccer Saturday said that he was surprised because he still expected that City would dominate. But like you say, of all the players that we could have asked to be sent off, I mean, if it's a striker, it doesn't really change much. If it's a defender, they weren't having to do much defensive defensive work anyway. So Rodri probably was the man that kind of. He's kind of the glue that holds everything together, isn't he? So, yeah, it was, if you could pinpoint one player that you want to get sent off and have them down to 10 men, it probably would have been Rodri. Um, but, yeah, like we, we had a go. I mean, if it's it's strange because we, we don't really celebrate. I think it's not really Cooper's style to celebrate defeat because that's just madness. It's sport. You want to win. And certainly if you can't win, you don't want to lose. So it's, it's a weird one. But I think if you'd have offered most fans a 2-0 defeat in the toughest game, arguably in world football at the moment, would we have taken it? Probably so. I mean, that, that does sound really defeatist, but that's just the Premier League for you and it, it just epitomises Man City, I guess. Yeah. Reese, um, no real chances made until Alanga's shot there towards the end on, on Edison's goal. Was you happy or over, or underwhelmed with, with it all? Because I'm, I'm guessing it's kind of because it was a new thing to us to actually have the ball a lot, especially against a side like City. Do you think it's going to take us a while to find a system of how to break teams down if they are in that kind of low to mid block, as you want to call it, or, or basically deep? Let's just call it they're, they're, they're playing deep. Do you, think, do you think it's kind of going to take us a little while to find chemistry within the team? I wouldn't imagine we'd come up against a lot of teams who are going to play in a low block, to be honest. we We are still in... A second season, the Prem, a lot of, especially the established teams, will see Forest as a team they can beat with respect to us. I wouldn't say underwhelmed is the word I'd use. I'd say a little bit frustrated because I thought at times we could have moved the ball a bit quicker and we could have been a bit braver. Now, we brought Montiel on second half. He must have overlapped half a dozen times and they never we never gave it to him on the overlap and he got in behind. And then there was the actual time we did, he didn't make the run. So if we could have just been a little bit braver at times, a little bit quicker on the ball, and if we would have got one back, it would have made it a very interesting game, a, ve- a very interesting game because like it did at Arsenal, they had 11 men, they started to wilt a little bit and, and then you never know. So, But um, you've got to give it to City as well, I thought. I know they did lose their heads a bit for the a few moments, but I thought experience-wide and it just showed why they are. You know, they put there was a one way, I think, three of them, I think maybe Diaz, Guardiola and Candy all chucked themselves in the way of a shot to block it. And yeah, they, they, they're surprisingly a really, really big team as well. When you, I know they have got a few smaller players like your Phil Foden's and that, but you look at them all at the back and they're all, they're all massive. Rodri's absolutely massive. So 
Yeah, you're probably going on what Lee's kind of saying, isn't he? especially when it went 2-0 as well. If someone would have said to you, you're going to lose this game 2-0 now at 2-0, you'd have been like, yeah, you're having a laugh. So it was a game we didn't expect much from. Um, and it's a game, in a way, I don't want to sign defeat as well again, but after last season's hammerings away from home, City being one, you kind of you take it and you move on to the next one, which is a winnable game, in my opinion. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Hey, definitely, the next three are, are very winnable, but we're going to get into some slept on it thoughts. Red side of the Trent. <laughs> slept on it thoughts. Right, so Alex, I'd have taken that before the first whistle, I won't lie. No one expects to go there and take three points, but we did ourselves proud of a bit of grit in the second half. Nate, uh, Nathan was right about Dominguez, superb player. Callum Hudson-Odoi and Alanga caused problems too. On to Brentford. Sarah, game of two halves, right of the Champions second half when they went down to 10 men. Loved the attacking changes and how good was Dominguez. Montiel, was it his twin brother playing last Monday? Uh, Nossity, um Positives, weren't hammered, had a go second half. Dominguez looked neat and tidy. Montiel better. Negatives, two passive early doors. Let City score. City goals, our pass still lacking. Uh, Premier earlier, uh, Dominguez was a surprise, but an excellent surprise. Could have been much worse. We didn't lose by six this time. Fun fact, this is the first time we've played with that no players from the Championship playoff final started or was brought on into the match. Great pod as ever. Thanks, Elliot. Um, Reese Coy, my mate, uh, take the positives from the second half. Any other team crumbles of 10, unfortunately, for as the team of 10 are still world-class players. Dominguez, a real talent. Thank God it's out of the way for another year. Onwards and upwards. Come on, your Reds. Gary Baldy, not progress. And thanks to Rodri's idiocy. We've got uh, got to give our attacking players more game time than we might have done originally and gel a bit more, which will help in the long run. Onwards to easier opposition. I don't think anyone's easier in this in this division, to be honest. Uh, Reese Ball, the first 20 minutes let us down. Strong second half, did everything right apart from scoring. Dominguez looks a baller and Sangare need more time to settle in. Can't wait till next weekend when I make the journey up to the city ground from Cornwall. Ooh, happy, happy travels there. Lewis Morris, Dominguez, some player, lost the game. First 15 minutes, they didn't create too much after the uh, after that. Uh, apart from the la- apart from last season, uh, oh polls apart from last season, should I say? Uh, second half was very good. Really got at them and never seen them so rattled. So many positives from that. Seven points after those fixtures is a decent return. Snowboard Pete mixed feelings from that game, but an improvement from last year. Came back into it after some silly errors. Why leave Harlan in that space? 
some player Dominguez is and another good game from Aina. Good to have Bolly and Niakati back, Callum Hudson Adoy and Alanga are rapid and will be keen. And no last but meetings least, uh Carl Booth City. If you'd offered me 2-0 before a ball was kicked, I'd have probably taken that. Could have got could we have got a goal. Would have been nice on We March. Uh thanks to everyone for getting those in. If if I've not read any out, any out I, I do apologise on a tighter schedule than than usual because Christian needs to get off to Sunday League football <laughs> this morning. We're going to go through some player performances. Christian, I'm going to start with you and it's a return of Musa Niakate. Yeah, it's obviously always going to be tricky, isn't it, against City going back as a centre-back. Um, I don't think he did too badly. Uh, I don't think I've seen anything to warrant him losing his shirt, for example. Um you know, Cooper, bingo at the minute. This seems to be a bit unpredictable, isn't it, in terms of who he's going to pick? But um, no, it was as yeah, solid as you can expect going up against the best people in the world. Um, just to echo on what the others said, I it's terrible, isn't it? But we, we've, we've sort of lost 2 0. We're sort of thinking, like, actually, it's not too bad <laughs> in the wildest game of things. But um, no, I thought Nick was all right. He, he, again, um, it obviously helps having his place on the back line. Um, and yeah, like it's. I think again, any any defence that comes away from yes, he had having only considered two, probably done quite a lot right in the game. But that's pretty fair to say for Nikai's performance as well. Would you expect to see him next week potentially at Brentford? I know we might we might ask that down the line, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I would. I think we're at a point now where if he's you got you got to play your best players ultimately, and Nikai is arguably well. He's definitely our fastest centre back. Is he our best? That's that's debatable. Him, him or Felipe. So realistically, you need to be looking at those two to be playing games sooner rather than later. So now he's in the fold. I'd be very surprised if he was to be coming out of it again. But as we've said before, I mean, like Yates didn't deserve to lose his shirt after his performance at Chelsea and did. Um, so you know, it's it's interesting to see what Cooper has actually got, got up his sleeve. Yeah. Lee, um, I'm going to give you someone who's been under a bit of the microscope recently, um, Morgan Gibbs-White. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one with Gibbs-White. I think um, he probably is feeling the effects of not having much of a pre-season, if I'm honest. Um, by not much of a pre-season, I mean, obviously, he's not done the, the kind of rigorous training uh, bits and bobs, has he? Because clearly these players know how to play matches, but I think you need a, an element of a bit of a pre-season as well. Um, I don't for one minute think he's been anywhere near as bad as some people are making out. Um, and the, any talk of dropping him at any point to me is absolutely absurd. I think if he needs to rest and he's fatigued, that's completely different. But dropping your best player, we struggle to create chances. So some people are saying the solution is to drop Morgan Gibbs-White. Right, OK. Um, yeah, I'm scratching my head as we speak. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'd, he was okay yesterday. He has a few moments, as he always does, where there'll be a simple pass on and he can't help himself doing the little outside of the boot. Uh, there was one in particular that went straight to Rodri. It, that probably was kind of good reading of the play from Rodri as well as a poor pass. But again, I think there was an easier pass just to, next to him, just down the line. But he's always trying to play that probing pass, which can sometimes be a stick to beating with because it hands possession straight back over to them. And when it's a team like City, it's going to put them straight back on the march again. So, um, yeah, he was okay. Um, I just think Cooper knows in his his heart of hearts that he's probably not at full pelt at the minute, but the only way to get him there is by keep giving him a shirt. So I don't expect him to be dropped anytime soon. And like I say, yesterday was just another 
um, performance where he didn't quite hit the heights that we know he's capable of. I've, I've got another quick question for you, Leon Gibbs-White. With Sangare and potentially Dominguez being the midfield two there, do you think he then starts to get into those better positions in the pocket because they can actually pass the ball through the thirds a little bit better than than what we've had previous? Yeah, that's, I think that should be... That probably is the, the next thing to try, I think. Um, yeah, that this is it. I think rather than saying just drop Gibbs-White, I can't see how people think that's going to be a better solution the solution for me is he's our technically our best player so you find a way to get the others getting the ball to him more often in better areas and then in turn for his decision making to kind of improve because it does need to sometimes like I've just said he does sometimes play the wrong pass but yeah I think that with Dominguez and Sangare in the team as well that probably will be the the next thing that that Cooper's looking to to try with Gibbs White. Yeah, Reese. I'm going to give you that uh, the name that everyone had on their lips, and that's Nico Dominguez on his full debut. I thought he was really tidy, really neat. Quite excited to see what more we've got from him. Yeah, um, I thought he was very good, and personally, he was my man of the match. Although I thought Ola Arna again was very, very solid, as he has been every game really. Um, but yeah, he looked, he looked good. But it is hard to make a judgment because he was playing against ten men for pretty much a half. So, but always wanted the ball, happy to get it on the half turn, happy to put a foot in, always kind of um, wanting to tick us over. And I'm sure for a lot of fans, probably seeing in him what they expected from Remo Freuler last season, from being completely honest. But like I said, it is only one game. It is against 10 men. So I'm, I'm not going to go off on a tangent and say he's absolutely incredible because <laughs> we had that, didn't we, in the, in the Burnley game. Our, you know, our terrible Montiel was, and he actually, I thought he'd come on and did quite well yesterday. So, yeah, we'll see. A uh, good start, and um, yeah, look, looks a positive signing. Um, so, hopefully, he can, um, I'm sure, he'll be nailed on for the Brentford game after that performance. Hopefully, him and you're probably going to say Sangare in there, aren't you? And then whoever else can start to build a little bit of a midfield trio if we do play free midfield and get us solid. and get us more work in the ball mall and hopefully improve us as a team. Hmm. Well, I've got a question for each of you before we get into the Brentford predictions. Christian, I'm starting with you. Looking at the next three games, we've got Brentford at home, Palace at home and Luton at home. Do you expect to see more Palace of Palace away, mate. Palace away, sorry. Luton at home. Yeah, I thought I said that. Anyway, do you expect to see more of our strongest side formation like the more positive like formation if you want to call it that in the 4231 or or whatever cooper might see see what we're going to do what would you expect that that uh, lineup to look like as well i think you'll slowly start to see the better players come to the fore i think so uh, you would expect it realistically we are going to be a 4231 or whether it's like in a 3412 still with hudson doy or Alanga being that sort of floating wide role, if you like, and gives White doing what he does. Um, I think you will start to see the likes of obviously Dominguez, Sangare, especially those two, keep hold of uh, I'd expect to see Felipe come back at some point as well. Um, I think realistically, you know, this is the best league in the world. You've got to play your best players. And these games, all three of them are winnable. There's no getting away from that. Like we could... If we come away from this run with, say, three points or fewer, we'll all be saying this is a massive missed opportunity. We're in trouble because these are the games we should be getting points from or looking to get points from. You know, you can you can account for you know 
losing Arsenal, losing at United to a bent ref, losing at City yesterday. You can you can factor all of that in. But if you're like slipping up at home to Luton or slipping up at home to you know, not, not so much Brentford, but you know, they have a decent team, but even they've just been smacked 3 1 by Everton. You know, these are games we should be looking at and going, right, we've got a good chance here, let's get some points on the board. So, in order to do that, realistically, you need the best players on the pitch to do that. So, yeah, I think we will start to see the players that we've brought in. It might be a slow process, it might be a few teaming problems, of course. But obviously, we've still got to gel them all in. I've seen some of the sticks Sangare's got, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But, um, it's not like our fans want a scapegoat, is it? So maybe it's his problems not being from Nottingham, who knows? But we'll see on that front. But yeah, I think eventually they will start to bet in, their quality will tell. But yeah, we're going to have to start playing our best players and that will come, I'm sure, in time. Yeah, your Sangari point goes into my next question to Lee, which is, why is Sangari getting unfair flack already? He's played like, I don't know, like, what, 150 minutes of football? Do you know what? This is going to be universally unpopular. Um, oh, God. It's but do you, know what? do you know what? I don't care. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> the reason Sangare is getting so much flack is because he's yet to play in the same team as Ryan Yates. Now, I'm, I'm not backtracking on what anything that's happened with Yates before. Yates has been brilliant this season. When he's got, In the past, when he's come on, last season, he showed himself as a Premier League footballer. However, that is the only thing I can think of why he's getting so much flack. Um, because some people just can't... It's almost like they're desperate for him to fail because they can justify then saying, we need Yates. Um, it'll be interesting to see who becomes a scapegoat when Yates does play with Sangari, because with how Yates has been performing, he will get his place back. He's, he's integral to the team um, for the simple reason, for the, you know, the ratty stuff and the hassling and that sort of stuff. You do There is certain games in this league where we will need him. Um but at this stage, he's essentially been dropped out of the starting eleven for Sangare. So th- that's the only thing I can think of because, I mean, the, the bloke's been signed in, signed to be like, a, you know, breaking things up, making tackles. Against Burnley, he made eight, eight tackles and interceptions. That's what we signed him to do. Yet some people were saying, wow, 35 million, we need a receipt. Uh, oh, come on, we've not signed him to be bombing up the, up and down the pitch and taking five players on. And then and everyone's seen that goal, haven't they, where he's banged it in the net from about 20 yards. He's, he doesn't do that every week. I mean, like I say, I go back to my original point. The reason some people want him as a scapegoat at the minute is because he's not playing with Ryan Yates. The sooner he plays with him, the better, because there there is a, an element that the team could you know do with both. Um, and I'm just intrigued to see he'll become the scapegoat then. Mm. I, thought, I actually thought Sangari was was okay when he got on the ball yesterday. He actually picked out more often than not the, the right pass and the right ball through the thirds, but I, I'm sure it'll come. Uh, I, I say it all but... I say it all the time as well, just to finish on that. He's moved to a new country on deadline day. He's probably had a handful of training sessions with his team. He's had to play a team like Burnley who are constant in your face and he's played the best team in the world. It's two appearances. Come on. Give the cut the guy <laughs> some flack. He's our record signing. We've signed him for a reason. Just give him a chance. Give him a run of games and just see what he can do. I'm sure he'll prove his quality. PSG and Bayern wanted him, for God's sake. I mean, some Forest fans are just mental. <laughs> well, I will say, sorry, on, sorry to follow on from that. I do, I want to go all like conspiracy theorists against like Matt Letitia makes you think sort of um, stuff for the, um, for the Academy boys. It was quite interesting. I did um, seeing, uh, what's it? 
to phrase this jet delicately, uh, seeing a certain tweet yesterday that sort of hinted at a lack of um, academy players in the starting eleven, and it's very much like you know, had we got a result yesterday, or had we done anything like like clung on for dear life and even kept it a one nil, whatever, or let, let alone get a point, it would have been something along the lines of, oh, you know, I'll hold my hands up. Actually, no, it wouldn't have been that, but because no, yeah, it wouldn't have been that at all. But it would have been like you know, people have said, okay, fair enough, like I'll hold my hands up, admit it, fair enough, it's wrong. But it's the fact that we've lost the game and the fact that you know Zangari is getting the stack, the fact that he is. It just immediately links back to why I'll be playing eight tomorrow, and it's sort of like, well, you know, that that this can't be a recurring female season. It's embarrassing. Stop it, because like, I agree with what I completely agree with what Lisa said. I think Yates has been very, very hard done by to lose this um, shirt, and he likely will get it back. I don't, I don't know the way he's been playing. He's like, as is, to uh, quote Lee, he has been integral. Morrill hasn't. Like, you know, Worrell had a great performance against Chelsea and followed it up with, you know, a performance that nearly cost us a, a result at Burnley, which is why he's, you know, he's a good squad player for what he is, but he's too inconsistent and that's the issue. So you can't just turn around and say like, oh, you know, the, the Knotts boys aren't in it. So therefore, you know, it's it's all gone, all gone to the wall. Now, you, you can't have that mindset. You know, it's just, it's, it's you know, it's like, like they said, just waiting for these people to fail. And unfortunately now it's Sangare because he's come with a big price tag and because he hasn't destroyed the Premier League in a two games and about four training sessions he's had since he's been here. I don't think, has he even got like a place in Nottingham yet? I mean, has that even been sorted for him? Like, he's literally like, oh, it's so silly. So, so silly. My, fi- my final point on all of this is the- there's a certain section of supporters and pundits who seem to, they're craving people from Nottingham to be in the team, which is fine. It's a, it's a nice thought. It's a nice notion. But at the same time, they're saying that Steve Cooper can do no wrong. Well, Steve Cooper's the one picking the team. So it's his decision to leave Warren and Yates out. Steve Cooper can walk on water. He's done amazing things for us in two years. And that's what people are saying. You know, I'd go, you know, looking back at the comments from last year, I'd take relegation if Cooper stayed in charge. Fair enough. But you can't then bash him when he leaves the players out that you want to play. I get that that's sport and that's football and everyone's got their favourite players. But Steve Cooper's the one picking the team. Steve Cooper's the one choosing to leave Ryan Yates and Joe Worrell out. That, to me, says that Steve Cooper has an issue with something that those two have done in the past. He'll always come out and say, you know, they're good, they're integral in the dressing room, this, that and the other. But for yesterday's game, he didn't see fit to play either of them. You have to just get on with it. That's the team that Cooper's picked. And for so long and so rightly, we've said about Cooper, he can do what he wants. He's earned that right and that trust to pick the team that he thinks is right. If that means Mm. leaving the ones from Nottingham out, so be it. it. That's just how he sees us getting a, something from that particular game. Yeah. The, be, before I ask you your your finger, is I actually thought, I know we said this earlier about Yates being unfairly dropped for the Burnley game. I actually thought he could have played yesterday instead of probably Mangala to begin with because of how how he is. But that's just my opinion on that. But Reese, um, <laughs> do you think that performance was enough to give you encouragement that will be will be fairly okay this season or do you think it's just going to still going to take a while to find our way and find a kind of case by taking it game by game and seeing who we're playing and and who we've got available kind of thing um 
and you can clip this, any rival fans who are watching, I am 99.9% convinced we will not go down this season because I think two are already down. Luton and Sheffield United think they'll go down. And I think this team's worse than us. Um, and with the signings we've made, I think we'll... I think as the season goes on, we'll gradually improve. We've still got a lot of, there's still a lot of young lads in the team. You know, Cooper's still got to find his best team again, really. Um, but yeah, I'm, I am optimistic and that's not on the back of yesterday. That's just of who we've signed, really. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What we, we, is that what we've gotten to now? Two games we're giving players before we're writing these off. It's, tw- Twitter's just <laughs> a cesspit, to be honest. And, to be honest, as much as I enjoy being on Twitter, the, t- the period I spent off after the incident at Villa, I actually didn't miss it at all because some of the opinions on there are just, unfortunately, a grown men looking for bites. Very, very sad, to be honest. But that's how social media is, and that's how life is nowadays. But um, no, you've got to give players time. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I might be wrong. We might end up going downhill, but, but we'll see. Um, as we get back to the top of the conversation, the next three games are games we've got to be looking at taking points in. I mean, for me, you'd probably be looking at the next three, a minimum of, I'd say, five points, a minimum. Because you've got to beat Luton at home. I mean, if we don't win that game, that would be, <laughs> yeah, be. I can't, I can't imagine the a meltdown. Hell on, break loose. Yeah, I can't imagine a meltdown on Twitter if it was not beat Luton. But, you know, like Christian said, Brentford have had a poor result yesterday, a really poor result, to be honest. Um, on the flip side of that, they'll be looking to bounce back. Um, Thomas Frank seems to enjoy playing us and get some up for it. And so that'll be an interesting game. And I know they had an off day, but they are a decent side, Brentford. So we've got to be at a good standard to beat them. Palace away. And I do like, I'm going to want to take it one game at a time because you have to. Palace away somewhere where I think we could maybe get something. Is probably one of them games where Palace will probably be favourites, but it's a game where I think we can get something. And obviously the Luton at home one is the, yeah, that's the the one that can't fail, as Gary Neville said. This was the banker. This was the one that can't fail. That would be that one, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, I'm optimistic, mate. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go down the route of this player's crap and this player's adored and this player's that and this player's amazing and, Let's see what happens and we'll, we'll we'll have a few games and I'll make my judgment on players then. Yeah, well, to wrap things up, we've got Brentford predictions. Christian, I'm going to start with you. Brentford at home, who obviously lost 3-1 yesterday as we speak to Everton. 3-1 at home, surprisingly. I mean, a bit of a shock result, to be honest. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts for that one? Very much a shot result. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Brantford are pretty strong at home and Everton have been terrible all season. So yeah, but then to hold three was very surprising. Um it does seem that Jimmy Garner came to the fore, which is you know pleasing to see on one aspect, but heart wrenching on another. But um <laughs> no, um it's it's not gonna be an easy game. I mean, I know there is you know it, they've looked fairly decent so far, and I know all the data sort of backing up that you know um they're performing pretty well at the moment, but I do still think there is an element of their side that falls away that the data can't really justify is Ivan Tony's absence because mm. um, it just hasn't quite been the same. I know that uh, that Wisser, he's all right. Don't be wrong. Like I think he's a pretty tidy player, but he's not as clinical. And we saw that in the Newcastle game, especially he had two or three guilt edge chances that Tony probably knocks in, you know, blindfolded, and it's costing the game. So 
there is something. I mean, it's what, one goal in two games from now, which is quite unlike Brentford. So something isn't quite functioning properly without him. Um, some some parts of their game are, some parts of their game aren't. And I think when it's you know the final action in front of goal, I don't think it, they're a stronger team about him than the team for sure. And I know they're already talking about you know Romano's come out so they need they're looking for 50, 60 million in January. You know, I, I don't think they should cash in really unless he pushes for a move, even without the timeout, because he's that important to how they play. And how do you replace that? They're not going to replace that with Neil Morpay, are they? So you know, they watch him score against us now. I said that. Um, <laughs> I I was a little concerned from the Burnley game in that we looked very loose. We didn't look like a team, we didn't look a gelled unit, and that was a lot better yesterday. But I'm not sure that's because it was more, you know, you have to be robust. You have to be sort of disciplined against Man City. There wasn't much room for freedom of expression. So, I don't know. I, 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 equally, the Brent Burnley game could be a bit of a one-off. I'm going to be bold regardless and say we're going to win 2-1. But it's not going to be easy, that's for sure. Um, we should have beat them last season, to be fair. But, but like a terrible VAR decision, um, which one of the few that we actually got an apology for. But... Um, um, yeah, I'm going to be optimistic. Still say two one. Yeah, Lee. Yeah, I still think it'll be a tough game. I think uh, Brentford's style will um, naturally cause some problems. Um, I fear it might be another draw. I've got to be honest. Um, and I just think, just going back to what Christian just said, we don't seem to look too much of a team yet. I, I get that there is going to be a game where things do click into place. And it probably is a good thing that we've got that extra day with it being a Sunday game instead. Um, but I just think it might not be the ideal opponents for things to click into place. Um, so I'll go for 1-1. One, one. But obviously, I, I hope we win. It's one of them where I think if we score first, I think we might win. But I've just got a feeling it's going to be a difficult one. They might nick a, a, an early-ish goal, certainly in the first half, and then we're forced to chase it. And um, I do fancy us scoring, to be fair, uh, in most games we play. I know we didn't yesterday, but that's it. Um, certainly at home, I do fancy us scoring. So I'll go for 1-1. I just fear it's going to be another draw, sadly. Yeah, and finally, well, not finally, but Reese. Yeah, it is going to be, I agree with the guys. They are a good side, Brentford. I don't particularly like them because they play football on the laptops, but they are a good side. And and the, again, I don't like Thomas Frank as a bloke, but he's a very good manager, so it'll be a very tough game. Um, but it is a game at home where I'd be looking to win personally. Um, I'm not going to say expect because in this league, um, for this one, because in this league, there's some oh, some incredible sides and even some very, very solid sides. So it will be tough. Um, like Christian said last year, we should have beat them at home if it wasn't for Andre Marin and his mates getting involved in, you know, was it Vissa's sock just got a little tiny brush and oh, we'll give that as a penalty after it fell over, basically. Um, but yeah, I'm going to agree with Christian. I'm going to go for 2-1 to Forest. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, f- I think it's going to be a tough game, but with the absence of Tony, who we've talked about, but more so Rico Henry, a left back, I think that that's two of their major players out. Obviously, Raya not being in goal either, which is a big, a big hit on Brentford. I think I'd I'd be a bit disappointed if we don't take advantage of that and kind of try and take it to them. I know that's easier said than done in this league because everyone's strong, reasonably strong anyway. So. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but I think we might find a way. And I think I'm going to agree with with, with you guys. I think two one. I think that's. I think that's that seems like a fair result if we can get it. Um, I'll be delighted. So that's all we're going to have time for on Red Side of the Trent. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, we'll be back in the week for a 
more in-depth Brentford review, whether that's with a fan or with just what just ourselves, I guess. Uh, we'll see you then, and come on, you Reds. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.